Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Today I come to you in hope. A hope of a better day dawning. The hope of a brand new awakening. My hope is not dependent upon the headlines, the latest news, the latest actions or inactions of governmental figures, the latest economic news. No, my hope rests upon the rock Christ Jesus. I've read and reread the Olivet Discourse, you know, where the apostles asked Jesus, when shall all these things be? What is the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Prompted by these questions, Jesus began to get the discourse on the end of time. It's found in Matthew 24 and 25 and the parallel passages in the other Gospels, Mark 13, Luke 21. I've read carefully and compared them with the judgments found in Revelation, and I keep coming to the conclusion that a major emphasis of this prophecy of Jesus Christ revolves around the day dawning around us that a season of trouble like this world has never seen before is impacting our lives. And I see the distinct parallels between the opening verses of the Olivet Discourse to the first half of a time coming to the world called tribulation. Of specific interest to me are those opening sealed judgments found in Revelation 6. There were false messiahs, False prophets, wars, famines, pestilences, persecution, massive phenomena on this earth and in heaven. And it makes me so thankful, so thankful for the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ that is our hope. And all of this week, I want to talk about navigating this last generation at the end of time. It was early in his message on the Mount of Olives. Jesus said, do not be deceived. If I was to paint this present world and how it attempts to sideline, marginalize, silence, and cancel voices of righteousness, I would say that we have to start here. A spirit of deception is running rampant in this earth. It has and it will affect those who profess to be believers. I don't question the motives of people. I don't know their hearts. They may be people of character. They may be sincere. But it's possible to be sincere and be sincerely wrong. And there are people in absolute sincerity that have come to faulty conclusions. And they are pursuing ideas and philosophies that are contrary to godliness and the gospel. Paul was less charitable in his language. Paul said that these people are evil. They are seducers. They wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, 2 Timothy 3.13, that their lack of character leads them to deception. That agrees with James, who said that the only way we are drawn from the path of righteousness is if we are enticed and dragged away by our own lusts, that we too then would walk the path of deception, because there's something within us that desires it to be true. It's what we want or at least the fruit of what we want. So yes, I need to describe a world at the precipice of the last days and the coming of the Lord. And it's a world marked first by deception. Here in America, our education system pours regularly 
into students is godless secular humanism. Of late, curricula and teachings have entered into the mainstream that challenge some of the very premises of who God made us to be. He made us male and female. But an education system is saying that's not exactly the case. Each year, accommodations are sought in curricula to carve out exceptions, to legitimize lifestyles contrary to our Creator. God made us in His image, capable of choice. Yet we have a system that says our choices do not matter. We are either controlled by genetics or shaped by our environment into paths of behavior that we cannot and do not choose. And each year, we see less and less freedom, and we see a restrictive environment that seeks to chain us to a lifestyle that is contrary to God. And we hear the next generation excusing, embracing, and drinking deep from these polluted fountains, deceiving and being deceived. That's not the greatest problem here in America. Media, entertainment, music, celebrities, big tech, all of these are giving language to a generation that is bent on eroding the institutions of family, country, the brotherhood of mankind. We see political hierarchies and structures. A government supposedly of the people, by the people, and for the people has faded from view. We now witness not just culture wars, but ideological wars that are bent on the destruction of our nation, deceiving and being deceived. Yet that's not the greatest problem. No, that's not the greatest problem by far. It's not the deception found in education, media, government. It's the deception that's found amongst the faithful, amongst those whose senses are exercised or should be exercised to determine good from evil to discern God's voice, to differentiate between light and darkness. You see, the greatest issue we face now in this area is not what's outside in the world, but what's inside in our own hearts and minds. Jesus said, be not deceived. Paul said in 1 Timothy 4, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, as dark as this world may get, as evil as mankind may become, the greatest danger is not from without, is from within our own ranks and our own hearts. This is where I differ from others when I approach this subject. It's all too easy to find modern, seeker-friendly churches and point out the flaws in them and about them. I'm not really concerned about those. I'm concerned about this phrase, some shall depart from the faith. That the problem is not the many, it's the some. It's not the majority, it's the minority. It's not amongst those who have never known the faith. Otherwise, how could they depart from the faith? Again, I differ here. I don't think it's my job to look around and say, see, there's an example of a person I'm talking about. See, there's a congregation that's drifted away from God. No, I need to listen to what Paul said a few verses later. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. For in so doing, you will save yourself and those that hear you. Take heed to yourself. I bid you to ask yourself what I ask myself each and every day. How is my own heart? How is my own life? How is my walk with God? 
Am I following him closely? One of the chief sources of deception in our day is a crossless gospel. We point people to the cross, but we don't point people through the cross. And rather than pointing out people who believe or preach a crossless gospel, let me tell you how it reveals itself in my own life. If I only go to the cross and that's where I stop, then I'm saying that I can be set free without denying myself, without dying to an old way of life, without rising to walk in newness of life, without taking up my own cross and following him. If I just go to and not through the cross, then I'm still dead in my trespasses and sin. I've not yet received this over and abundant life. Of significant concern, then, is that I don't see a change in my own life. I'm still the same person I was. Old things have not passed away. Nothing's been made brand new. Worse yet, I've deceived my own self, and then I began to deceive others. I'll say things like, well, it doesn't matter how you live. Jesus loves you just the same, or come to church, and I hope you never feel conviction. I hope you're never challenged to change. Yet how can we treat a sin-sick world like this? How can we model what the true and genuine Christian lifestyle is all about? It's not just going to the cross, it's going through the cross. The gospel does not just save the soul. It's at work in body, soul, spirit. It's a comprehensive treatment for our sinful nature. Our bodies are to be living sacrifices, wholly devoted to God. Our souls are to be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord. And our spirit, our inner man, is to be saturated with the fruit of the Spirit, cleansed, purified, set free. Yes, the greatest threat we face is not the world getting more worldly. It's not even a congregation drifting from the truth. It's me. It's you. It's each of us. These tabernacles of God, members of the body of Christ, it's each of us being deceived in our own hearts. The writer of Hebrews described it as drifting away, being drawn by the current of this world, that we should pay much closer attention to what we've heard, the examples we've seen, the heritage that we've been given, lest we drift from it. It's one of the abiding principles of Scripture that God never does anything without warning his people. The Sermon on the Mount of Olives was nothing but a two-chapter warning, Jesus warning what is coming warning the church, warning each of us, be ready, be prepared. Deception is coming. Don't be deceived. Before God judged Nineveh, he sent to Jonah. Before God judged Noah's world, Noah preached over a century warning them. It's an old word, but it's a good one, that a warning comes before destruction. Paul said that we warn every man. Ezekiel said, we lift the trumpet and send the warning. Jeremiah said, I speak and give warning. In Ephesians, we read about the fivefold ministry that the risen Christ has given to the church to prepare the church, to grow the church, to mature the church. When you look at the fivefold ministry, we need to realize that Satan imitates each and every one of them. We read of false apostles, false prophets, false evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Simon Peter said in 2 Peter 2, there were false prophets among the people. There's going to be false teachers among us. 
who bring in false teachings that will deny the Lord that brought them. They will bring swift destruction. Warning always comes before destruction. And today I lift that trumpet to my lips. And I say the darkness of this world is evident. But one thing that is more dangerous than the darkness of this world is that the love of many can wax cold and that some will depart from the faith. It appears that many of us will fight the freezing temperatures of this world, but some of us will be deceived and depart from the faith. We may all be fighting this ever-darkening, sunless, godless, dark world, staying awake, staying alert, keeping oil in our vessels, stirring up the gift that is within us, staying hot on fire for God. That's a fight for every one of us. But some will depart from the faith. Take heart. God has always had a group of people that resist the darkness around them, that will not listen to the voice of deception. So, Lord, let my feet be lame to follow the path of this world. Let my ears be attuned to the song and cries of another world. Let my eyes be blinded to the tempter of this life. I want to follow holy after you. Because living in these last days, facing the last generation, Jesus said one of the things that you're going to fight and fight the hardest is that deception will abound. And those deceived will try to deceive others. But I believe that you and I have been given the wherewithal, the power of God to stand in these last days and to shine a light of truth. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.